Welcome to the Grill Coach Podcast. I'm Jay, your host. I'm here with Frankie. What's happening, Frankie? Hello, hello, hello. So did you hear that? Did you check that out? Oh, that new banger intro <laughs> song of ours? <laughs> Dude, yeah. Hey, we got reverse sear and dry brine in our song, bro. It's a win for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. And she's all soul and bluesy. Like, man, it gets, you know, fire. Like, mm, I like it. Yeah, man, I just want to thank our man Aaron Wall for that. He's the composer, producer, lead singer for the band 40 Watt Hype. He also wrote our other theme song. And uh, this time he brought in a guest vocalist, Alyssa Wittrato. She was uh, on The Voice and she was on Team Gwen. I, I don't watch the show, but I don't know how she fared. But she made it through our show, so she's winning. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, today, our episode, we're going back to the books. We're going, we're taking you back to school, you know, because we are here to learn, teach, and inspire, like she said in the song. And uh, we're we're still in the book, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And we are in that second piece of that. We're going to be talking about fat. Uh, you know, I, I was grown up to believe that that was a bad word. But man, I really love this word fat right now. It means so many different things to me. It means joy. Joy to me. <laughs> oh, man. Excellent. I remember even one time I'm with some uh, company guys and they cook the New York steak right on the grill. And and the little fat piece that hangs off the edge, one of the old guys said, cut that off and just sizzle that up and just give me that piece right there. And in my younger days, I thought, oh, that's so gross. That's so nasty. But now I know that like some of those pieces of fat is just goodness, you know, that unctuous that just you know, coach your mouth with it. And uh, I think this book is going to help us explain why we kind of get those flavors. But all right. But before we do that, let's go through highlights. Frankie, what do you got for a highlight this week? Uh, let's see. You know, we took a week off. So I did try out my Super Bowl. Uh, my Super Bowl experiment. I'm going to butcher the word again. Tyro Cafteri. I feel oh, like that sounded great. I don't know. That little, didn't sound like the temper, right? That. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh, man, I like it. Tyro Akavateri. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I butchered it. Uh, just a, And then as a reminder, that was like a essentially like a charred chili and feta cheese dip. Um, and it was it was a definitely a win at the party. So I definitely encourage everyone to check it out. And that came from uh, How to Grill Vegetables by Stephen Reichlin. I, I was yeah. improvising. I didn't bring the book because I was on the road game. I was in Oregon. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, dang, I don't really know what the recipe was. All I know is that, like, these are the components. So I tried to find the recipe online and it's not. They're all like, just buy the book. Uh, uh, it's like, well, I, I have the book. <laughs> but, didn't he send us a PDF copy of the book, Frankie? Oh, he did. I didn't even think <laughs> about that. See? Ah. <laughs> uh, but either way, 
I pulled it out. It worked. It worked really well. And then so I checked myself against and the measurements weren't all exactly there, but all the okay. ingredients were. I did. I did add some garlic in there, which wasn't called for in the recipe, but I uh, thought that I, a little garlic never hurts. Nobody. Your personal touch, man. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's a Tyro Affetary Frankie style. <laughs> Tyro Frankie. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Tyro Frankie. All right. So, yeah, I know you briefly said what this is. Describe it for me. Uh, yeah. So it is a uh, charred chili. So I was um, I did this on a on a kettle. I took like two poblanos, two jalapenos and like three serrano chilies. Uh, I cooked them over direct heat until they got nice uh, char on the outside and then let those cool just a bit. And then I destemmed them, took all the outside skin off that the blackness okay. of it. Yep. Don't have to be perfect on that. Uh, and then gave that a little blend. Oh, he also took out the seeds in his recipe, but I left my seeds in. I always, mm. I like the spice. A little spicy. Okay. And then we did, um, and then blended that. And then to that, I got some feta, feta that was in the brine. I don't know if like that was important or not, but I do remember him saying it called for it to be in the brine. So I, I took that out. You don't add the brine. What do you mean feta in the brine? Yeah. So feta is like um, a type of cheese. I had never heard of this or seen it until I saw this recipe, but it was like in a liquid brine, which I, I'm oh. sh- I think is like how it's kind of made. Um, or part of it that it was in. So okay, just was a little more moist, um, which maybe that's what, what it was calling for. And then you blend that up, a little olive oil, nail, salt, pepper, garlic. Uh, and then you we served it with some like um, vegetable chips. We were trying to be a little healthy that day. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only, the vegetable chips were the only healthy thing. <laughs> you had this huge funk of fatty cheese and uh, yeah. But hey, you had vegetables in there. I mean- you know, besides the fatty cheese, oh, okay. Yeah, it was good. But uh, fat is good. So we're, we're you know, we're real, real quick before you move on that. What did that taste like? Like, you know, the feta cheese is kind of not quite blue cheese, but it's usually kind of sharp, right? Or a little tangy. I don't know if that's a word mm-hmm. I'm like looking at. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm used to having it in like salads or something like that, not just by itself, right? It's usually crumbled or something. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And so, but now this is going to be like a creamy, melty, almost like a a vegetable version of a, like a queso dip or something. Mm, you know, it, the, the feta, I feel like at the end of the day, it, so yeah, it's a little tangy. So it provided a little bit of that, but the chili, the chilies and the charred chilies is re- really came through, I think. And mm. the, the feta just led this like creaminess element to it. Honestly, it almost, I, it was more like a guacamole, like, or a cream wow. like, mashed avocado type of texture and like kind of vibe. It was really good. I, I love the fanciness of this. And especially it's a uh, highly unusual. I love to try to serve people's things that they can't get anywhere else. Right. Yeah. Everyone's like, Oh, where'd this come from? I'm like, eh, my mind. <laughs> <laughs> And and uh, just as we're going to be learning and in this chapter, you know, mixing that the cheese with the fattiness, it helps with carrying flavor and texture, you know. So um, I think that's exactly what you're doing here, man. Good job. Boom. See, I don't even know it. <laughs> All right. Well, let me go through my highlight. Um, I want to encourage 
everyone to try shopping at different supermarkets, especially places that are out of your area. And um, so in my area, I went to one and it's a kind of the, it's kind of like an international farmer's market. And they just have foods from all over the, I would say all over the world, right? But I mean, they actually have aisles where it says, this is Spanish, this is South American, this one is Japanese, this one's Korean. It had just so many things. And, uh, you know, so got a lot of like really exotic fruits and vegetables, stuff I never seen or heard before. Um, and and it, it was strange because when I walked by the chilies, man, the chilies that they had out there, really dark green ones, the light green ones, the red ones, just the way they had them stacked. And they just looked so beautiful, man. It was like, I just wanted to, I wanted to get some and just throw them on the grill, but I'm like, my, my, my family don't eat that, you know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. Like they don't eat chilies and things like that. I might be able to do this if I mix it with a bunch of feta, you know. See, don't tell them. Yeah. I know, I right? I know it hit them. But, yeah. I, <laughs> I might. <laughs> Chilies, I just think, is just a beautiful vegetable. You know, just I just the vibrant colors I really like. Um, but anyway, let me get to my point here. Uh, I'm walking around their meat section, and they got different cuts of meat I have never seen before. So um, one of them they did, I'll just throw this as a bonus. They had a picana steak. Okay. And so we talked Love about that. that before, and I bought like a nice two and a half pound chunk. I'm going to be making that later this week. Probably put it on the skewers that we had from one of our listeners, Chris, made for us like two years ago now. Still got those skewers. They were great. Um, I love those things. Yeah. And uh, so one thing that caught my mind, it was a bone in pork belly bone in pork belly yeah i've cooked hundreds and hundreds of pounds of pork belly but i never saw one bone in i don't know how what is how does that even work well <laughs> i was wondering the or, same thing because it's gotta if it's bone it's coming off one of the ribs and i don't know if it's coming off the spare rib or the back the baby back the, you know the back ribs I think it's coming off like the bottom of the spare ribs and maybe it's like the meat that's extra on top mm. and just see again, American traditionally, we always separate the ribs and it probably values selling the ribs as just ribs. And then, but again, I, cause this is like a multicultural <laughs> supermarket. I don't really know what culture I'm dealing in here, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I know bone in and I know pork belly and it looked like almost like a, like a small prime rib roast, say like a, you know, nice long bone, probably like a, like a spare rib bone. And I would say it was like three bones and uh, a nice hunk of look like, uh, you know, that raw bacon that pork belly is on the edge of it. That already sounds delicious now though. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do I do with that? What what would you do with that, Frankie? This episode of Ooh. Chopped, real quick. Boom, boom, boom. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. I want to go something sweet though. Something sweet. That's all I know. I don't know pork, how I would do that though. I've sweet. never cooked. Yes, always got to yeah. be pork and sweet. I feel like. What would you do with that? What's your plan? I I don't have one. I know I want to brine it. I'm gonna dry brine it. You know that's what it says in the song. But um, I want to brine it. 
gonna smoke it, but then not sure. Like, I feel like I want to keep it all intact together. I don't want to cut it up and then just have more pork belly. But um, right, so do you cook it like a rib, or maybe you could still cook it like a like a pork belly? Um, yeah, I was cut, maybe even just right now when I mm. asked you, I was already thinking reverse sear. I'll just put some good smoke on it and then sear it off around the edges and have some kind of sweet glaze, you know, around the outside. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited, man. And it wasn't too expensive. The store's not far away. You know, this can be a multiple time thing. I'm excited about this. Yeah, that sounds good. I can't wait to hear that, hear how that turns out. And that's a sweet find on that store. I bet I can start my own trend on Instagram. No, probably not. <laughs> Yeah, that would involve you getting on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. Oh, man. Uh, The other thing I got, I got Asian-style spare ribs. Um, These were, they they were spare ribs about an inch wide. And how can I say, it wasn't a full rib. They were cut to about an inch inch tall. And it, it was in the package in a circle. And so all you see was like the cross section of the bones and they had them in nice little spirals. And so you can tell they, they probably took the spare ribs, cut it, cut like maybe, you know, usually a spare rib bone is probably about six inches. And so they probably cut them to like an inch, inch and a half pieces. And then they took that and they just sort of spiraled it up and put them in the package. It looks so pretty. Like, you know, just raw pork like that, just spiraled up. You just see all the bones and, you know, um, it goes to the mathematics side. You see the circle and the spiral (laughs) and all of that. It just really appealed to me. I even cooked it that way. (laughs) It all spiraled up like that? (laughs) I did. I I almost, I almost tied it so that they would stay like that. Stay like that? Uh, See, we're getting there one step at a time. Man, I tell you what, (laughs) if I had some string, I would have tied it because, uh, I did put them on the grill. I came out with four of these little spirals and they started, when they started cooking, you know, it's changes. So they started breaking apart and I was getting upset. Like, man, you should tie these. <laughs> they have a little skewer too, Mike. Cause these probably are perfect to get uh, in between the bones and boom. It's a little, little less work. Same effect. Maybe that would been a great idea. Yeah. So, um, so this, um, actually let me put in a plug in for, Jess Pryles, ding, ding, from Hardcore Carnivore. I'm at a local store, and she had two new things. I'm a big fan of her Hardcore Carnivore Red, and um, she had a new one. The one thing I've been looking for is a good sweet rub. I haven't Mm. found a good sweet rub that I like better than the one I make. I don't know if that makes sense. I need to have something (laughs) close to the one I make. In my older age, I'm lazy and I stopped making my own rub. So I just rather buy something and uh, make that happen. Everything has kind of been failing me. I haven't been happy with it. And uh, now I got all these rubs because I'm always trying rubs. And I feel like <laughs> I don't want to make my own rub. I got to get rid of these. So I just keep putting myself in this catch 22. So when I'm complaining about having too many rubs, I don't know what to use. What I do, I went out and bought Come another more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I got Jess Prowse Hardcore Carnivore Sweet Rub. I'm like, all right. 
think she's on to something. I look, the grains, they got some good thickness to them. They're not real small. So I'm kind of really liking what I see. She also had, she had a jar of sauce and it was called burnt in sauce. And I was, again, I was liking this. All right. I already know what to do with burnt in. So I didn't really have any plan. I just bought it. <laughs> I just uh, wanted to try it. Cause again, I'm a fan of her product. So I, I tell you what, so those Asian style spare ribs, I did a little dry brine. I put the sweet rub all over them. I smoked them on my drum, got them to about 190 ish. And then, um, they had nice bark on them. The, and I think that's what the thing is too. I need enough sweet in my rub, especially when I'm doing pork, to give me a good color and carbonization. Like I want that crust, I want that bark. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these things, like I said, it doesn't really hit like the way I want it to hit. But I was happy with these. So what I did is now I cut these rib, I cut these ribs into pieces, sort of like burn ins. Put them in a pan. Okay. I threw the burn in sauce on them, and. Uh, and now when you come out, you have a little rib about an inch and a half long with a little bite on each side. Man, chef's kiss, dude. Chef's Delectable. Kiss. Wow. You know, there, there was no leftovers. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my oldest son says, Dad, I don't even eat your ribs. First, we all lied because we all know he eats the ribs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, those ribs are so good, you know. And it's funny because they're like the same ribs that you might make any otherwise. But except they're little bite-sized ribs. I mean, and sometimes bite-sized just—it's just more fun to have a bite-sized one. Um, yeah, makes you feel like you have more too because it's just bite-sized. It's just a little bite-sized. You got it. You got it, man. So two excellent finds. You know, again, branching out, trying something different. Um, also, this this store had the largest seafood section I ever seen anywhere. And I did buy a couple rainbow trout whole that I want to try next because I want to start cooking more fish on the grill. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm getting excited, you know, springtime coming back. All right. Come back around. What's going on? You know, I get outside and grill. It's what I do. There we go. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed those highlights. Sorry, I went a little long, but, you know, I mess up Frankie's schedule. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's get into our listener question for this week. Barbecue question of the week is how long can you hold a tri-tip or any meat with the keep warm function of my tracker? Good question. Man, that is a loaded question. Ooh. What does keep warm mean? At first, that's what I need to know. What does keep warm mean? Uh, you know, like, so like on the, the trigger, the trigger like has a little button you can push it and it says like keep warm and then it, it looks like it runs at like 170. Um and then it's supposed to like you just keep your your food warm in it. I've only used it for like sausages for like to keep like hold stuff like that for like 30 minutes or something or like an hour. That's okay. as long as I've gone. That's interesting. I'm glad you said a temperature because that's what I was actually looking for. Cause when you just say keep warm, I don't trust any of that because it's so subjective. What is it? What does that really yeah. mean? And and is one seventy is one seventy still cooking my protein? I don't know. That's a good question. That's what uh, I I was curious about when I saw this. I was like, 
Hold on, I'd actually no idea. But I, I was like, Frankie, I need a yes thing. or no from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think one seventy is too high. I feel like one seventy is still cooking. You know, uh, uh, very slowly. I w- I might add, just as many times as I've cooked stuff between two hundred two twenty five. You know, it's still slow, but it's still cooking, and so. The, the the trick is how long can you hold a tri-tip or any meat, right? Again, such a loaded question. So many things I would say, well, what are you trying to do? What is this? What is this? What is this? A tri-tip, I probably wouldn't want to hold it at all because a tri-tip, I'm trying to cook that to a medium rare. I really want that dialed in at 135-ish in my fattest part. And so if I leave that on something that's positively cooking, where we actually still adding energy to the air, I don't feel comfortable with that. If I was resting it, you know, and maybe I pulled it off somewhere, and I have done this where I might put a tri-tip or a steak or something like that. I'll put it in a, in a Ziploc bag, you know, really because I'm trying to let it rest, but I don't want the smoke and the aromas to escape, and mm-hmm. I want it to rest with that. Um. But even if you were to take that tri-tip off, say, wrap it in a foil and put it in a cooler. Sometimes it's actually still cooking in there. Because now that tri-tip is your heat source and your cooler is insulated. And so it'll still cook there. So I guess maybe hopefully you can see by now I'm really leery of this keep warm function. <laughs> um I would say something, the big meats, for sure, briskets and pork shoulders, I feel like I wouldn't mind at all. But I would also want to be mindful once I start that keep warm because I still, like the I have time. had, exactly, because I've had times where I've cooked ribs, pork shoulder, and briskets, for say, and wrap and put them in the cooler, and I pull them out the cooler three, four hours later, and I'm like, man, these are overcooked. You know, like I've overdone it now, you know, um, and sometimes it works out well. Sometimes it doesn't. And I, I mean, we all know that a rib that's falling off the bone is an overcooked rib. And, uh, you know, sometimes people really like that. So when I was vending and I was selling the ribs, that actually worked in my favor. But <laughs> if, I was, <laughs> if I was competing and turning them to a judge, oh, I would get hammered for that. Um, mm. But you can just tell sometimes on how by things are acting. It's still cooking there a lot. So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't. I don't have a good answer for this one. I think you really have to get to know your cooker. You got to know what your protein that you're dealing with. And just because you got to keep warm, that doesn't mean, oh, okay, I don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, it's like the latest theme in my life is I've been learning. Like, I still got to parent these kids. I can't just let them grow up. You know, so it's like, yeah. you, so if you're cooking meats and you think you're done, you just turn to keep warm. Now you still got to pair that meat. You still got to be active and engage what's going on there. You can't just have a couple cold woods and sit there. <laughs> <laughs> Which, hey, you know, hey, that happens sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um, I Still good, some good points, though. I think, you know, larger meats, I guess, really got to know your protein and figure out your temperature. I'm really curious what the... Like how much carryover cooking is happening in a cooler? 
for a big piece of brisket mm. and then the temperature that of the inside of that cooler is i think that would be a good comparative like uh information to have to help yeah. approach this question and mm. you got you got that fancy thermometer with all your probes you got the fireboard and so you and got I'm all these things work. that could tell myself work <laughs> Maybe you can Google it. Somebody else already did it for you. <laughs> but it's got to be somebody gotta we for, know. Got to do it for science. Yeah, for science, <laughs> for science. Maybe somebody will reach out to us and tell us what they did. Hey, please, if you know any any insight, folks, let us know. Hit us up at support at thegrillcoach.com. All right. Okay, next section, Grill Coach Recommends. In honor of my highlight, the Grill Coach Recommends is going to be the Jess Pryles product lines. And we're going to focus on the Hardcore Carnivore Sweet Barbecue Rub. And the also, we're going to also recommend that burn-in sauce. You know, she has a large line of products. Just Pryles, I feel like, man, maybe it was like 10 years ago. She started out with her charcoal, her charcoal-infused rub. It was Hardcore Carnivore Black. And then she just, every year, she's putting something else out you know and it's just more and more stuff and it's just uh i know she's been really getting educated i know she went to like texas a&m to learn more about meat and processes and things like that so i've been very impressed about jess Pryles and what she's been doing in the barbecue world and uh so she just has some really good looking flavors some really good looking things i haven't tried all her products but uh i definitely can stand by you know a couple of my favorites a hardcore carnivore red and the uh, hardcore carnivore sweet. Frankie, have you had any of her products? Uh, I have not, but I'm. I know, I've heard. I've heard a lot of good things about them, so I will make sure to check them out. Uh, I encourage everyone else to also make sure you're you are subscribed to our email list at thegrillcoach.com, where you will get these recommendations. Speaking of the website, I encourage everyone to go check it out. You can find information about past episodes, blogs all these grow coach recommendations and links we talk about in the show uh, special shout out to all of our patrons without your support. We couldn't keep the show going. It helps support the logistics of podcast hosting website hosting uh, and uh, lets us keep building this community. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Frankie. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to dive deep into this book again. That's so full of information, but today's subject is fat. Okay, welcome back to this Grill Coach. Today we're talking about the book, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Today's subject is fat. So Frankie, I know a perfect uh, friend and Grill Coach partner sent you the book. I'm trying to, I hurt myself, pat myself on the back. <laughs> but uh, I, I know you got to dive through this chapter and, and this subject. Eh, tell me what you thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for the book. This was like the best thing to wake up, uh, wake up to and find on my doorstep. Um, I uh, really enjoyed getting to dive into this book. You know, I, I know last time we talked about this, I hadn't read it yet, but I had like, what? There is a Netflix show about this, which she's the host. Um, and it really doesn't begin to do justice to the amount of information that is in the actual book. Um, and, you know, the, the sub title on this is on this book is mastering the elements of good cooking. And I really think this book has done a great part or has done really great at breaking this down. And like, why are these 
elements important what why is salt why is fat why is acid and why is heat important how is it affecting our cooking um and i really enjoyed reading these chapters about about fat i like you had mentioned earlier in the episode you know i had always thought you know fat is not the best thing you really should be trying to get rid of as much of it possible out of your life and <laughs> but you know we we learn and know you know fat is flavor so where is that balance and how are we should we best be incorporating this into our cooking so i really enjoyed the fat chapter and and really just how it's helped explain the different elements and components i was like kind of shocked about some things and pleasantly surprised by others so i i'm really excited to dive into this so uh, let's kick it off so what is fat jay <laughs> wow <laughs> so uh <laughs> You know, first off, this book is is incredible. It's got great illustrations. I feel like it's a fun read, even though it's very deep in knowledge and like information. It just doesn't feel that way. It feels fun. And the TV show, I feel like is great, but they are two different products. One's a TV show. Or this is an educational book. I mean, like this is a uh, both good, though, by the way. Uh, now, so with fat, uh, man. Fat is one of the four basic elements of good cooking. And what are these elements, you might ask? Um, it's fat, water, protein, and carbohydrates. I'm just going to read this straight from the book here. It just says, what is commonly believed that fat, much like salt, is universally unhealthy? Both elements are essential to human survival. Fat serve as a crucial back, backup energy source and a way to storage energy for future use. And it plays a role in nutrition absorption and essential metabolic functions such as brain growth. So you eat some fat, grow your brain. You know, that's, I like to just skip to the edge like that. Eat some bacon, you wake up smarter. We can wrap that up right here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so just fats are used in different ways, right? And, Fat is essential to achieving the full spectrum of flavors and textures of good cooking. When you when we think about fat, I never really put together fat with textures. When I'm thinking of fat, I'm thinking of like the fat that renders in a steak, the sizzle of a bacon. That's how I'm thinking. The fat on the chicken skin. Um, by the way, I was at a Filipino restaurant in Vegas. We had fried chicken skin. Oh. Mm. Chicharrones. Oh man, chicken chicharrones, so good. Anyway, sorry. Hey, but that's a you know same subject still talking about fat and such a good thing. Um, but so let's say so let's talk about this. So fat plays three distinct roles. Fat can be used as a main ingredient. It can be used as a cooking medium, or could be used as a seasoning. So when fat is used as a main ingredient, it binds ingredients together. The best example of that is a burger. The burger is that meat and that fat together. Even I had a guy just ask me the other day, you know, should I get 90-10 to make a burger with? And in my experience, 90-10 is too lean of a burger. You need I more agree. fat. Yeah, you need more fat in that. At the same time, when I was experimenting with Frankie's Chipotle burgers, I got me some 80-20, which is a good fat ratio. I got 80-20, Chuck, and I mix that with some chorizo, which is also fat, 
and I put those together and then like all the fat cooked out and my, my burger was all holy like Swiss cheese. So then I was mm-hmm. like, okay, noted too much fat. <laughs> I was like, maybe I got to mix chorizo with the 90, 10 to give it some more fat. But that's how we can think of is fat as a main ingredient. Um, the next thing is when you're talking about fat as a cooking medium, it plays a role when you're talking about texture, whether it's going to be crispy, flaky, creamy, light. So when we say flaky, I know this is a cooking term. Flaky, well, if you're using fat to make crust or dough or breads, that's what's going to make things flaky. Also, you can mix it into dressings or emulsions. And there's a great display page about making an emulsion in mayonnaise when you talk about creamy. And uh, it's a good visuals. That's why you got to get the book to check this out. But also fat as a cooking medium. It's really important that fat can be used to actually do the cooking. And that's going to help you heat and cook your food. And then you're going to get even other textures. How are you going to get things real crispy is you got to get the fat hot and you can get real crispy. So um, that's uh, so fat is a main ingredient cooking medium. And then lastly, we can use fats as a seasoning. And probably one of the most common ways it's used as a seasoning is olive oil in salads. And so um, just any kind of thing you're going to be doing after the fact is going to be in salads. To take that to our barbecue and grilling world, let's say we're going to take that steak off the grill. And then we're going to make that, take that flavored butter that we make, and we put that on top of the steak, add some more fat mm. to the steak. <laughs> and that's the way we're using fat as a, as a seasoning. I really like this breakdown that fats are used in through all our parts of cooking. Because remember, we're thinking fat, fat is bad. But then it's like, wait a minute. We do use it in just about everything. I agree. It is essential. Like you don't you don't really think about how uh, pivotal it is, like just like you said, in the actual process of cooking and, and how we're consuming our food, because it's not just, you know, that little fatty piece of thing on a steak or at the top of your your grill. So good insight. Good insight. So what, what where does fat come from? Kind of so- then running along that same thought. So there's different sources of fats. And she, again, she has a nice graphic. Uh, butter is probably one of the most common fats we can think about. And then clarified butter and ghee, those are just different forms of that butter. And uh, they're going to have, I think, different parts of liquid in there with between the clarified butter and the ghee. But I think essentially they're all the same. They're all from the same source when we're talking that. Well, because butter is made up not of just fat, right? So it's made up of of water and those milk solids and like whey proteins and stuff. So yeah, whey proteins. Yep. Yeah. So getting so what is a clarified butter is is you're slowly heating something up and so you're separating those components and skimming off the some of the the components that you don't want. So all you are left with is pure fat. So that clarified butter for us regular people that's the stuff that you get to dip your your crab legs in because <laughs> that's Is that? not I just a regular, about that <laughs> yeah that because that that's not like regular butter right like if you just get something uh if you took a stick of butter and melted it that's not what you're having that one is more like an oil and uh and i think that's what you see and with ghee 
I know using Indian cooking, that's more similar to like that too. Um, even that, that butter that they put on the popcorn at the movie theaters, right? That's, that's not like a stick of butter you might use at home. You know, that is an oil essentially. I haven't thought about what that is exactly. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because it's delicious. <laughs> Especially when I saw the episode of the walking dead, when they're like 30 years into the apocalypse and they find some old movie theater and they're like, Oh, this stuff is still good. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, we also got some other areas. Yeah. So butters. So we get some, some, um, uh, Nuts and oils and seeds you can get fats from, and then animal fats, you know, uh, beef, pork, chicken, duck, all of that kind of things. Yeah, I was also surprised to know, um, or, or, you know, because there are other ingredients that have a lot of fat that we use in our cooking too, right? Like I think we, like cured meats, like bacon, you know, that's, that is, uh, you know, you know that kind that is derived from an, an animal fat. But I was also surprised to like think of these ingredients, some of these ingredients like chocolate or sour mm. cream or like yogurt or like even some like fish as being a source of fat and using that within our cooking. That was really enlightening too, to make me take a step back and be like, oh yeah, I guess this fat really, really is a, more than what we just think. Very true. And then even on that list, whole eggs and oily fish, and, mm -hmm. and and avocados. Yeah, love me some fatty avocados. <laughs> okay, so we know where fat comes from. We know how it's playing the role in our cooking. Um, how is it affecting our flavor? So fat carries flavor. Um, and, and it's just, think about this. It's certain fats, like they really carry a distinct flavor, but really any fat carries like they convey aromas. And so the fat coats the tongue and, and it allows like aromatic compounds to stay in contact with our taste buds for a longer period of time. So at this market that I was just at from my highlight, jing, see the highlight. <laughs> <laughs> I tried a slice of Russian ham and the Russian ham is, you know, some kind of cured, you know, sausage, deli meat and you know after just tasting that slice i'm walking around the store and it's like my mouth is still coated with the flavors of that ham and so that's just when fat is now used as a as a main ingredient and it's bringing these components together with whatever they put in this russian ham i don't know but it's again now it's lingering and it's staying in you know it's staying there like taste wise. And so, so that's one of the way, I mean, just how many things can you eat and you still like have it to taste on your tongue. And that is from the fat that's conveying all those flavors. Uh, she provides, I don't even think we talked to, talked about the author. Her name is Salmon Noserat. We forgot to announce you today, but uh, we love your book. Uh, she, she mentions to, to really see how that carries flavor. She gives an example of putting two sliced garlic cloves in water and let it sizzle and then putting them in some oil and let them sizzle. And then afterwards, taste the ingredients and you will see which one carries more flavor of that garlic into the oil. 
Now, one of the things that really kind of got me thinking about what I should be doing is uh, I use just regular olive oil for almost everything. I don't ever mix up with oil or use something different. And I'm never a believer in flavored oils, but I think I'm wrong. Yeah, I generally uh, always just go for the cheap olive oil. This definitely made me want to rethink the process <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, because how would it, if it's carrying flavor, whether it's making a dressing, whether it's making a glaze or a sauce or something like that, because I will constantly, I mean, I'm I'm constantly using the oil when I'm if I'm making a coleslaw. Sometimes I'll mix in a little a little olive oil to help bring it together. A little olive oil, a little salt, like, and that's just something I do. Sometimes when I'm making sauces from home, I'll mix in a little oil, and, but I'm just using all the regular same oil. So it's like, man, I'm missing on something here. You know, I think that I can probably extract more flavors out um, if I did something like this. Uh, one of the other things that fat and enhances flavor is because cooking with fats, it can withstand temperatures beyond the boiling point of water. And then when you can do that, I love what she says here. It's the facilitation of surface browning. Mm, flavor. <laughs> hey, that's what we do on the grill, man. We are facilitating surface browning. And... <laughs> And one of the things that even when we're taking it out to the grill, we do have to be careful, like, and how the fats might hit our fire source and how we're going to allow that heat to, you know, render that fat. Or we're trying to crisp up some skin or something like that. But we're always changing and affecting the surfaces with that. Even a lot of times we're applying fat to some of the meats. So just so our rub can stick. And it's like we're doing that. What? What is that affecting our flavor like? Um, I think we can just, again, learn some from this. And for everybody out there listening, this is we, we can't give you all the information in this book. And this is not a grilling book, but this is a book to help us all learn to be better cooks. And if we're better cooks in the kitchen, we can be better on the grills. So um, just keep that in mind and uh, just use this to maybe help your own creativity kind of open up some things. So the author of the book then kind of tells us that there's different flavors of fat. So the first one she talks about is olive oil. And she, you mentioned how that's, that's just a staple in Mediterranean cooking. Um, but also, just as we talked about already, it's a, a ton of uses that you might be able to find there. And also having a quality olive oil can really make the difference in your final product. One of the things I remember from my my good old McDonald's days is once that oil that we cooked in, once it got rancid, it ruined everything that it touched. Every everything that came out of there, you always tasted that rancid flavor. So you always needed to make sure you have a good clean oil. Um, one of the other flavors of fat is butter. Butter is a com is common in regions where the climate supports cows. It's just a you know, offshoot of that. So I guess that in the Mediterranean, they don't have a lot of cows that use olive oil. And so in the U.S., Canada, and U.K., places like that, they go ahead and use butter. But butter is one of the most versatile fats, and it could be manipulated into several forms. Um, you can have salt, unsalted, and or cultured. But, you know, you can spread butter on toast, or you can 
put butter in a pan and you can cook it. You know, there's just so many different things we can do with that. And she really explains and goes in, in depth about what you can do with butter. Another flavor of fat is seed and nut oils. Um, in my experience, because I go to Costco every once in a while, I buy that avocado oil that's there. Um, but again, I'm always sticking to the, 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 the regular olive oil I get. But this is just another place where you can get oils from. The most common one is animal fats. And since I've been making briskets, probably like the last year and a half or so, I'm always trimming the fat off the brisket. I'm cooking the fat down and I'm making my own beef tallow from that oil. And she does talk about that. She talks about beef. When that fat, when it's solid, it's called sweat. Sweat or sweat. <laughs> I don't know, but I looked at Google. What does sweat mean? And it says suet. And it says it's the hard fat on the kidneys, the loins of the cattle, sheep, and other animals. But we can imagine, you know, sometimes that real thick stuff, uh, that's the suet. And uh, when it's liquid, it's called beef tallow. And the uh, beef fat, or the suet, it would be used in like hamburgers, hot dogs, and the like. Beef tallow would be used for like frying French fries. Like fun fact, I think until like the late 70s, McDonald's used to fry all their French fries in tallow. And they stopped doing that because of, they heard about the fat content of the oil and fat was bad when we were growing up. So they changed it. And I think it's not like vegetable oil or something like that. But uh, if people think, man, McDonald's fries don't taste good like they used to when I was a kid. That's why. It's because they're healthy now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, pork fat. You know, that was a very common one. And uh, it's just called pork fat when it's solid. When it's liquid, it's called lard. And lard has a higher smoke point. And uh, she mentions it's, it's, it's great for an empanada crust. So if you think of empanada, empanada is like a, a pizza pocket. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that a good example? I don't know. <laughs> But it's a nice crusty on the outside. It's sort of crimped around the edges, has that, 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 that crunchy edge like you might find on a pot pie or something. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, delicious. But, but that flakiness, that kind of stuff comes from different type of fats. And so she mentioned that from pork fats. And then uh, chicken, duck, goose, lamb. You know, essentially every animal kind of you can get some kind of fat of and use it differently. Now, one of the real gems of this book is she presents this uh, this chart, this big circle. Right. Uh, she calls it the world of fat. And uh, she has fat equals flavor. Use this wheel to help you choose which fats to use as you cook foods from around the world. So she has a nice little center circle where it's Europe, North America, South America, Africa, and Asia. And then they will branch out to say, this is the type of countries and this is the type of fats they typically use in their cooking. Yeah. I was really drawn to this too. I thought that was really useful too, because especially as you know, we're cooking food outside of our like 
our norm and like trying to achieve other cultures food like mm-hmm. recognizing that fat the different types of fat that are used in those regions influence how the food tastes right so if you're subbing you know vegetable oils out for where you're supposed to be using lard you're not gonna be able to achieve that that super authentic taste which is i'm always striving for Mm -hmm. so this was a super great tool i think um, that i found in this book um to to use as i'm trying to approach those cuisines so give me some examples frankie of some countries by the way what is neutral oil so neutral oil is like a grapeseed oil or like avocado oil that like don't have heavy flavor they don't have any flavor so they usually have like really higher smoke points too so really great for to use in high heat cooking and like frying and stuff so give us a couple countries frankie that might use different oils Mm, right so one one thing could be like sesame oil um is which is used in like a lot of japanese and korean cooking uh versus you know maybe say in uh, you know, Mexico or Central America, where they're using like lard, um, for example, or a more neutral oil, something like, you know, grapeseed oil or avocado oil. I would like to identify there's one country on here that uses bacon fat as part of their cooking. Well, <laughs> You'll have to buy the book to guess that one. I don't see any other ones. <laughs> Only one. Yeah, bacon fat. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, here, I'm in the South, so I've seen it happen. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Really good chart. And, um, you know, I even highlighted. So don't use olive oil when cooking Vietnamese food. Dang. It's like she slapped me right in the face, dude. Like, because I use <laughs> olive oil for everything. <laughs> Hey, right. She's her own little intervention, one reader at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so really, the she finishes this section of the book with about how fat works. And it goes deeper into how you might use it to get crispy. Um, she said the, the, the famous chef Mario Batali says the word crispy sells more food than almost any other adjective. I believe it too. I'll buy anything that says crispy. <laughs> crispy onion strings? Yes. Crispy. Crispy yeah, shallots. Very good. Give me two. <laughs> very good. So yeah, so she she talks about, you know, how you might handle the oil heated, get things rendered and what you can do to achieve that crispiness. Um another one was creamy. You know, so when you're talking about creamy, you're talking about fats, you're usually talking about emulsion. And emulsion, you're going to be mixing fats and waters. And that's going to affect how creamy things are going to be. Um, and that's useful for like, for what? Great for making sauces uh, to to serve alongside our barbecue, right? So that kind of has how that ties in and can be useful in this. She talks about, you mentioned it, that the mayonnaise. Like uh-huh. making mayonnaise is like a fabulous process and fresh mayonnaise. If you've never done it, I highly encourage it. Daniel makes a really good one. Wow. Um, but All right. Yeah. The, the illustration on how to save a broken mayonnaise or a broken emulsion is like worth this book alone i think (laughs) (laughs) yeah nice pictures and everything like that and and i love at the end of it she says did this work yes great you got homemade mayo and if she said no if it didn't work it's all good take a deep breath and return to step one so it's like (laughs) even if you broke your your mayonnaise you can keep working on fixing it you know 
And if you're going to make mayonnaise from scratch, imagine if you make that Alabama white barbecue sauce from scratch. That would be incredible. Yeah, Maybe have maybe have Daniel make the mayonnaise, Frankie. Then you make the the barbecue sauce out of that. You know, put it all together. Hey, Texas Village. <laughs> Other way, the last one to talk about how fats works is flaky and tender stuff. Um, a lot of that I feel like is along the lines of baking, and you know, especially because of this podcast is not nothing about baking, and uh, I'm not really quite there. But it's it's great information if you know if that's what you're interested in. And the other thing is just understanding, like, man, you know, fats is used across the board in everything, you know. So uh, if you're going to make something fat free, I, I I don't know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, you know, she really gives you some good detail, overall instructions about using fats. She talks about how to layer them, how to balance them, and then improvising with salts and with fats. I really love this, you know, tactic that she gives you, because especially as us barbecue cooks, one of the things that we do better than anything is improvise because we're always cooking with all our senses and we're seeing how things are happening. And so we need to be observant, be engaged. And then it's like sometimes you might realize, like, this is not cooking right. Uh, Earlier, Frankie was roasting his vegetables on the grill. And if you just put vegetables on the grill with no fat on them, they're not really going to get the temperature and they're not going to heat. It's not going to get the skin that you want, you know? So it's like, you need to introduce some fat sometimes, or even when you're tasting, you got to introduce some salt. But with these first two topics, salt and fat, you know, she really gives you some good, you know, I feel like some good tools, not to tell you what to do, but to help you create with your meals. Well, um, Frankie, I'd like to thank you with going through this book with me and, you know, again, just helping me learn, help me learn, you learn, everybody who listened, we learn more about this. And even we went hard today on one single subject, you know, fats, there there is a lot to learn. And this, uh, this world that we're in, this grilling and barbecue, sometimes we find ourselves in these other places, like I never expected to be here. And I feel like this is exactly one of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, it's going to make us better in everything that we create, everything that we do. So thank you with that process and uh, going through the book with me. We will be doing the other two, acid and heat. And I bet when we get to heat, we're going to know all that stuff already because we're barbecue grilling guys. We know all about heat. Uh, Nothing to learn, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we will see. We will see. But, uh, you know, and and I really like this idea is like really learning about what fat is and what it means to us and how it affects us as we cook. So maybe we can really take off that bad connotation of fat in food. It will help us use fat and and in moderation and know what we're doing to just help improve all of our meals. And uh, with that being said, make sure you get the right fat, layer it, understand how you use it, and never miss an opportunity. Get outside with Frank and Jay. Fire up and barbecue the right way. Grill of the grill, so pepper and snow. To put smiles on the ones you love the most. Get outside and grill. Chill and take your time. Reverse it, try drive run. Here to teach, learn and start. We bring the smoke, propane and fire. Get outside and grill. Now the time has come. Turn up the volume, learn and have fun. Younger, old, no matter the skill, you just got to, you just got to.